News Weekly is an ad-free, listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like Michael Lines, Joel P.S., Monica Byrne, Michael Sassella, and hopefully you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah. that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support the podcast. Top Stories of the Week Scott Morrison is told he's been a bad boy by Parliament. Also, protests in China get physical. And Kanye is Kanye. All that and more on News Weekly. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Is censure another name for massage news now? Former Prime Minister Scott Morrison has achieved many firsts in his long career. He was the first Prime Minister to serve a full term in 15 years, the first Prime Minister to not hold a hose, and now the first Prime Minister to be censured by Parliament. It's quite an achievement for the former Prime Minister, former Health Minister, former Finance Minister, former Industries Minister, former Home Affairs Minister and former Treasurer. So what does it mean to be censured? Well, I mean, nothing, really. Like all punishments in politics, you basically get told off by your opponents, your own side stands by you and supports your every action, and you continue to get paid the same amount you were going to get paid the day before and the day after. For politicians, that's the worst they can ever expect to suffer for doing something wrong. For the sake of theatre, though, they have to act like it's a big deal or we'll all notice how it really isn't. So here's everyone acting like it's a big deal. Here's Labour MP Tony Burke acting like the censure is a big deal. You cannot have responsible government if you don't know what people are responsible for. Here's current Prime Minister Anthony Albanese acting like the censure is a big deal. He just doesn't get it, the former Prime Minister. Here's Nationals leader David Littleproud acting like the censure is a big deal. He did the wrong thing. Uh, He breached confidence in the institutions that the Australian people should have faith and trust in. And here's Scott Morrison really not giving a shit about pretending like the censure is a big deal at all. I have no intention now, Mr Speaker, of submitting to the political intimidation of this government using its numbers in this place to impose its retribution on a political opponent. Basically, all that's being done is he's being told he did a bad thing and he can't even say, yes, I did a bad thing for the sake of saying it. Had I been asked about these matters at the time, at the numerous press conferences I held, I would have responded truthfully about the arrangements. So there you go. It's not Morrison's fault he assigned himself to ministries in secret without telling anyone. It's our fault for not asking him if he'd assigned himself to secret ministries. The thing is, Morrison was asked about the ministries. Back when it was first discovered and everyone thought he'd only signed himself on to three and not six, he was a guest on Sydney's Radio 2GB and was asked by Ben Fordham. Are there any other portfolios that you assumed any control over? Not to my recollection, Ben. I'm I'm, I'm pursuing that. So health, finance, resources. That is my understanding. But if that if that is if there is anything different to that, then I'm, you know, then I'm, I'm happy for that to be disclosed. Ben Fordham didn't ask any further questions on the matter because he's a Sydney radio presenter, and like all Sydney radio presenters, he's a useless idiot. Morrison's censure wasn't the only thing to happen in Canberra this week that everyone has to pretend to be shocked and surprised by. 
The Nationals, who to their credit have seen a marked decrease in buffoonish leaders being visibly drunk in Parliament before having sex with their subordinates, since David Littleproud replaced Barnaby Joyce, have officially said they will oppose the Indigenous voice to Parliament. No one should feel any shame in voting no to this. David Littleproud, who previously also voted against the same-sex marriage bill, was however supported on this by his full party, including Senator Jacinta Nampijinpa Price, a politically conservative Indigenous politician who makes white people in Brunswick deeply uncomfortable. Why should I, as an Indigenous Australian, be governed under a separate entity than the rest of Australia. Now, this was to be expected. Senator Price and the National Party have long signalled their opposition to voice to Parliament. And it's a move that doesn't really make a difference to the Labour government's plans, whose entire approach to the voice is to say they support it but not actually do anything to support it. Here's ABC's political editor, Andrew Probin. The government won't be funding the yes or no campaigns, instead relying on the philanthropic and corporate sectors to make the case for the voice. Because if there's one thing the corporate sector loves, it's supporting Indigenous causes with actual money. There'll be a new pair of voice to Parliament Nike sneakers and mining company Rio Tinto will do acknowledgement to country before blowing up a sacred Indigenous site in search for iron ore. By the way, the same-sex marriage referendum? That got $15 million to argue both sides of its case. David Littleproud, whose last name is so obvious it makes him sound like a J.K. Rowling character, went on Channel 10's The Project to talk about the Nationals' decision. The Project, for listeners outside Australia, is a TV show where a rotating panel of journalists, reality TV show survivors, mid-tier stand-up comedians and Walid Ali all take turns throwing pre-written softball questions at anyone in the news. No one watches it, no one why it's on the air, and everyone who dares to ask the question is disappeared into the night like an inquisitive East German in the 1980s. The interview with Little Proud went quite well initially, at least the portion where Walid Ali asked the questions. Here's an enlightening excerpt. Your argument seems to be that the voice will exclude rural Indigenous people. Um, on what basis? Surely that depends no. on how the voice is constituted, uh, how it operates, and these are all things that you can make a contribution to. Yeah, and much of the challenge that we've gone through the consultation with both the yes and no is that obviously there's there's very limited detail, but the detail that they have openly shared is that unfortunately you are talking about very diverse communities that need unique voices and that won't be able to be provided in the design of this. And, and in fact, what you're asking us to do and what you're saying in changing your constitution and what the government is asking us to do is to trust the parliament, to trust the politicians to get the settings on this right. This should be about empowering the local communities at a local level. And that is going to be different in each of these rural and remote. And, and I get that city people might say, why, why would we look at this and say this isn't a good idea? Until you've walked a mile uh, in some of these communities and represented some of these communities. And in fact, in Jacinda Price's example, she's actually lived the cases of domestic violence in her own life. Uh, that the solutions can't be found in Canberra. But to pick up the point you're making, it sounds like you have the idea of the voice, the proposal of the voice backwards, at least as far as it wants to present itself. You're saying the solution isn't in Canberra. Um, that's partly the whole point of the voice, is that Canberra hasn't been engaging, and so there needs to be a mechanism to bring it to Canberra. Without that mechanism, aren't you basically just saying, well, sorry, but you're going to have to rely on Canberra to do something that it has never really done? in its entire yeah. history when it comes to Indigenous affairs. Two adults presenting reasoned, well-thought-out and clearly articulated points of view. And then, 
with all the intellect of a sugar-high toddler sticking fingers into a PowerPoint, along came Sydney radio presenter Steve Price. David, as long as I've been alive, we've been trying to fix this problem. And what you're now saying is we're no closer. You've been in governments no. for years where we were trying to fix that problem. No-one ever fixes it. This is the problem. You've got people out there abusing drugs, you've got domestic violence. It, it, it shouldn't be happening. But what's your solution? You're saying go out and fix it in the local community. We've tried that and it hasn't worked. OK, Steve Price says this has been a problem as long as he's been alive. And he was born in 1955. And Indigenous Australians weren't even considered part of the population of the Commonwealth until 1967. So the problem, if the problem is the treatment of Indigenous Australians as equal citizens by the government and its laws, didn't even start until Steve Price was about to discover the joys of puberty. And that problem isn't since he was born, it was since the idea of Australia was born. And it's not like Indigenous Australians were declared equal citizens under the law in the 1967 referendum, then everything's been amazing since then. Oh, and the government spent the modern equivalent of over $13.7 million on that referendum. Just saying. After that interview, the project returned to other important issues of the day, like telling us how hard it was for former MasterChef judge George Columbaris to not pay 515 of his employees their legal wages of up to $7.83 million. Do you think in the end you did hurt people? Well, look, you know, if techni technically we, we owned up, we paid up. Yeah. Um, we made that decision. We could have not said nothing, but that wasn't, that's not my style. Apparently, his style was to not pay people their salaries, and that went out of style fast. It's a seven-minute interview with Columbaris, and not one single underpaid employee appears in the story. George Columbaris's new TV show debuted on Channel 10, the same channel that features the project. Little trouble in big China news now. Move over protests in Iran. There's a new protest movement against an authoritarian regime that we can all watch helplessly and do nothing to support, but damn it, I hope it keeps going in town. People in major cities across China are sick of the COVID-0 policy, which has seen harsh restrictions still applied across the country, and they're taking to the streets to demand a change. There's a crackdown taking place in China. Police are being deployed in many cities because at the weekend, widespread protests erupted over strict COVID rules. I think we should go back to normal. We should go back to normal lives. The protest began after a fire in Urumqi last week killed 10 people, with protesters claiming lockdown rules slowed down the response. The Chinese government has responded to the protests in a reasonable and calm manner. This footage is Shanghai. It was filmed by the BBC's Edward Lawrence who later was beaten by police and held for several hours. With the protests showing no signs of abating, the Chinese Communist Party has figured out just who to blame. Forces with ulterior motives have used social media to link the fire to the zero Covid policy. But the local government has combated these rumours and smears. In Iran, it's US and Israel. In China, it's forces with ulterior motives. The most amazing part is the creative ways protesters are finding to avoid prosecution for, pro for protesting. They're basically doing the most Chinese things possible. Protesters, angry about the country's strict COVID measures, are holding up empty sheets of paper to avoid arrest or run afoul of China's censorship laws. Elsewhere, they chanted for more PCR tests. 
An obvious joke, but a clever way to avoid explicit defiance. In Beijing, students got creative by raising signs showing an equation created by physicist Alexander Friedman, whose surname is pronounced similarly to free man. They're literally holding papers with physics equations written on them as signs of protest. Meanwhile, the best that Melbourne protesters could come up with was Dictator Dan. Racism in the royal family news now. Just kidding, no one cares about the royal fucking family. Instead, let's turn to American royalty with what are ye saying news now. Kanye West's fast collapse into the depths of batshit craziness has been both public and unsurprising. The first signs were in 2009, when he interrupted Taylor Swift at the MTV Video Music Awards to tell her she didn't deserve the award she'd just been given. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Then in 2009, after debuting a line of sneakers at Paris Fashion Week, he changed his name to Martin Louis the King Jr. Martin Louis the King Jr. Uh, address me as such. He then never mentioned that name change again. In 2018, after a two-year hiatus, he released a song called Lift Yourself, which, well, here you go. That's the same year he came out in support of Donald Trump and then said this about slavery. When you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years? That sounds like a choice. So what do you do after you've gone full Douglas Murray? Well, you go full Alex Jones. I could say anti-Semitic things and Adidas can't drop me. Now what? Now what? Kanye then put that theory to the test by tweeting that he was going to go, quote, DEFCON 3 on Jews. Adidas quickly sprang into action six days later after Jewish groups around the world protested and dropped Kanye West. Adidas saying in part today it, quote, does not tolerate anti-Semitism in any other sort of hate speech. Ye's recent comments and actions have been unacceptable, hateful and dangerous and they violate the company's values. Which is pretty crazy when you consider that Adidas was founded by two brothers who joined the Nazi party way earlier than they needed to, loved Hitler, became the official shoes for the Nazi athletic teams, and even turned their shoe factories into munitions factories during the Second World War. And if getting so anti-Semitic that Adidas can't support him wasn't enough, then Kanye got so anti-Semitic that Alex Jones started, look, started looking like the rational guy in the room. Kanye, or Ye as he prefers to be known, went on Alex Jones's podcast in a full face mask that was basically a giant sock. And then what ensued was three hours of the most American content since the last time the USA bombed a third world country for its national resources. Alex Jones is an agent of evil. He should be taken off the air. He's the devil because he doesn't want you to take four shots. Adam, I've got, I'm, I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, uh, Alex, Netanyahu. What do you have to say? It was bad. It was bad for Trump to meet with Nick and Yay. Okay. I had no idea your voice is going to sound like that, Netanyahu. I just, I, I just heard about this guy two weeks ago since so like the tweet, and I thought he had a funny name. In case this is the last time you ever hear from me. Well, look, 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 look. I, I, I'm glad you guys are here, and, and we can, we can, we can sit here and upset. All I'm telling you is. 
do you guys realize that the British government created Hitler? But I don't blame Jews in general for that. And there is a much larger eugenics, transhumanist, scientific elite agenda that's playing off. What uh, about uh, abortion? It's 50% of black deaths. Swear to God, it's in my stack. If, you, if I hadn't moved it off the desk, I could pull it right up for you. Why did I have you move it off the desk, Alex? Because it's cluttered. I'm not bitching. We're going to have Netanyahu step out for a second, okay, Alex? Oh, he's going to go? I'm leaving for now until, until it's another meeting. And then I'm going to say something. All right. <laughs> you're not only an artist, you're a comedian. But, but Nick, that's what I'm getting at here is, is that... <laughs> Is, is 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 that it was a uh it just it doesn't even matter I, I just i mean there's listen there's fluoride in the water killing us all they're injecting us with gmo i don't think hitler was a good guy i get the uh the hugo boss uniforms amazing uh but i mean just because you're in love with the design you're a designer can we just kind of say like you like the, the you like the uniforms but that's about no, it we we no i there, there's a lot of things that i love about hitler a lot of things. Whoopie dee scoop. Scoop dee dee whoop. Whoop dee scoop dee poop. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. If you like the podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave a review, give it a five-star rating. That stuff really helps with the podcast rankings overall and how many times other people get to see it or just tell your friends to listen to it. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here next week on News Weekly, where I punch the news in the headlines weekly. Weekly.